inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is At The Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core. It's our Wednesday edition of the program. I'm Walker Wildman. I'm your host for the program today. We'll have uh, Wesley Wildman will be in with us in the second segment. And yes, we are related, for better or worse. And uh, we'll have our good friend Trevor Loudon on with us in the third segment to talk about how uh, uh, several, many, of our elected officials, U.S. senators, congressmen, are uh, compromised um, by our very enemies. <clears throat> so we'll talk to uh, Trevor Loudon about that, author, speaker, commentator, um, uh, doc, uh, movie producer, etc., um, and uh, author of an excellent book, which we'll uh, introduce um, on uh, various uh, uh, compromised uh, politicians in the political class. We are in Psalm chapter 58, but before we jump into our scripture, you can watch the program streaming.afa.net. Streaming.afa.net is where you can watch the program live. You can also catch us over on Facebook, at the core on Facebook. You can go over there and watch the show live. And of course, we push out the show in the form of a podcast. Each afternoon, go to wherever you listen to podcasts, type in Ethicore, and you can subscribe to the program there and listen at your convenience at, uh, at uh, whenever you want uh, to listen to the core. Well, um, jumping into our scripture for the week, we're in Psalm chapter 58. David, David asked his enemies, he says, Do you indeed decree what is right, you gods? Do you judge the children of man uprightly? No, in your hearts you devise wrong. Your hands deal out violence on earth. So, so there's, there's clearly, and, and we, we see this today, there, there's clearly people who claim to, to claim to declare, to decree what is right, There are people who claim the ability to judge uprightly. And these are some of the very same people that reject God completely. I mean, think about many of these modern um, movements, these modern anti-God movements of claiming to be virtuous and noble and you know, have all this advanced knowledge and, and here's what everybody needs to do. And they claim to, to know everything and to know what's right and wrong, but they have detached themselves from the very God of creation. And so David, uh, David's experience was, was not much different. Um, that's uh, Psalm chapter 58. That's our scripture for the week, verses 1 and 2. Well, uh, speaking of, of wrong and right, and knowing what's wrong and right. Uh, we've been, uh, the U.S. has been involved now for 
heading heading towards a year of of military involvement in Ukraine. And this this all started out as a as a righteous noble mission in Ukraine. That's how it started. <laughs> but that's not where it is now. So so what's happened is uh, over the course of the last, you know, 10 to 12 months is the U.S. went from, hey, let's support them with a little bit of money uh, to now we're sending weapons and tanks, and now they're talking about sending military aircraft over there. So this has really, really escalated, and I'll almost guarantee you <laughs> that most of the folks that were flying their blue and yellow flag you know, on their Twitter feed are were wearing the I support Ukraine t-shirts. Um, I'll almost bet you they just didn't, this is not what they bargained for. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to say, yeah, I support them. You know, big bad Putin shouldn't have gone in there, et cetera, et cetera. But then you talk about, do you want to send your neighbor who's a U.S. Marine over there? And people start going, well, 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 I don't know. Or should should we send them tanks? Well, well, I don't know. And what's ironic is the U.S., the United States military and our, our uh, Secretary of State, Department of Defense, you know, they often talk about how, you know, uh, China shouldn't be helping Russia, Iran shouldn't be helping Russia, um, how some of these other nations should not be uh, supporting Russia. But here we are along with all of NATO supporting militarily supporting Ukraine. So so how can we with with any ounce of respect and credibility tell China, North Korea, Iran and some of these other nations that they can't partner that they shouldn't partner with Russia, but here we are with half of the world sending tanks and planes into Ukraine. I mean we can't tell people that they got to stay out of there. We're right up in the middle of it. And so here we are. Uh, now we're sending tanks over there. We're sending Abrams tanks over there. And, and we are, folks, we are neck deep into World War III. People are like, World War III might start. No, 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 folks, it's already began. It's just not as bloody as it's going to be. But it's already began. The U.S. and NATO is right up in the, we're right up in the middle of a conflict between a major European power, Russia, and Ukraine. And here we are. Uh, so, by the way, Ukraine's not a NATO member, but we're acting like they are. They're still not a NATO member, but they're getting the support of all of NATO. So if I were them, I wouldn't have signed up for NATO either. It turns out you don't have to be a member of NATO to get NATO support. Nonetheless, we're sending these tanks over there. By the way, our own naval commanders are warning our own country that if we go to war with China anytime soon, we don't have enough ammunition. We don't have enough munitions. We don't have enough tanks. We don't have enough planes. We don't have enough equipment to fight China. Why? Because we're shipping it all to Ukraine. And uh, Joe Kent, by the way, who ran for um, uh, Congress in uh, Washington State this uh, past cycle in 2022, um, he was on with Steve Bannon on War Room talking about uh, America sending tanks over there. And by the way, what's our big picture in Ukraine? Some interesting thoughts here by Joe Kent. Let's listen. Was it feasible to put the M1 Abrams tank 
with the gas turbine engines and as advanced as that is and just turn it over to guys with six weeks of training and hope to <laughs> Joe Kanslav. Is that feasible, sir? No, it's it's not. And anytime we've tried that, it's a catastrophic failure. I mean, when you see big arms packages like this, especially with something like the Abrams tanks or even the Bradley infantry fighting vehicles, you have to look at not just the initial cost of how much it's going to cost the taxpayers, money we don't have to go over there, but also, like you said, the logistical trail. I mean, those Abrams tanks are, they take a good deal of upkeep. Big and lead. so this is a huge payday for the military industrial complex. And again, has anybody explained yet to the American people what we're risking World War Three for? Like, what's big picture? Why are nope. we doing any of well, this? Well, if you were in Congress right now, would you demand that Joe Biden come through and like let's have a golf of tongue King Russell? But come forward, you got to make a you have to make a formal presentation. Yes to the House of Representatives as the founders wanted, sir? Absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why the founders didn't give one guy in the White House, regardless of what party he's in, the ability to take us off to war. That's supposed to be done in hold Congress. Hold according to the didn't give a guy named General Washington. Who'd already heard already won a pretty, a yeah. pretty big war, right? They said, no, you still got to go to the people's house yep. and you got to make your case, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yep. You're supposed to go to Congress for war approval, but who needs that, right? We can just go to war when we want to go to war. Um, Yeah, th- to, to Joe Kent's point, nobody, nobody has convinced us that we need to we need to do World War Three over Ukraine. No, no, nobody, literally no one, has made a compelling case, even if they just make stuff up, just make it up and lie. No one's even lied and made stuff up to convince anybody that this is worth World War Three. Because you can throw out, we need to save democracy, and you can talk about, you know, uh, some of the agricultural exports from Ukraine. But, but other than those two things, which are, by the way, democracy, what is that? Like, like what w- we got to save democracy. Well, folks, we got our own democracy here that's got some major problems. And by the way, if we think Ukraine is some kind of constitutional republic, who are we kidding? Their 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 government's so mangled and corrupt and twisted that it's unrecognizable compared to America. So this idea that they're the gold standard, that this is, they're a bastion of liberty in Europe, this is a lie. They are corrupt to, to no end. Ukrainians, um, but but what's the what's the overall uh, vested interest that America has there? That question remains unanswered. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what we're doing there, why we're so bloodthirsty over there. Why do we need to send them tanks? Why do we need to send them billions? Nobody can can make a compelling case as to why uh, we should be doing that. Um, America's not not reliant on Ukraine. I mean, we're just not from any national security standpoint, from our electrical grid to our tech industry, from our agricultural industry. Okay, maybe some some uh, some uh, um, fertilizer. Okay, maybe like uh, agricultural fertilizer. But can't we source that other places? I mean, there's just not this big, you know, in your face. We've got to do Ukraine argument. There's just not, um, and that's what Joe Kent is saying there. But here we are. We're, we've already spent a hundred plus billion over there. Now we're sending them tanks. By the way, Joe Biden said last year while he was president. He said, uh, if uh, uh, someone questioned about like sending tanks and planes over there, and and Joe Biden said, "Oh no, no, basically we'll never do that because that would be World War III. I mean, we 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 just can't send tanks and planes over there." And uh, what do you know? Here we are, twelve months later. What are we doing? We're sending tanks 
and we're talking about F-16s. And the other point that Joe Kent made is you can't just, like, drop a, a, a tank off in, in Ukraine and, and these 19-year-olds are just going to jump in there like it's a, you know, a Chevy and just put it in drive and just take off. I mean, these things are, like, sophisticated, complex, uh, probably got all kinds of controls, uh, all kinds of maintenance, uh, how to load the munition, how to fire the munitions. I mean, th- there's like there's probably months worth of training to even get our own military members like sim- like vaguely familiar with the machine, much less being like an expert on it and being able to fight in war. Uh, but we're just, you know, we're shipping them over there now. We're just gonna drop tanks off in uh, Ukraine, and we don't even know who's gonna drive it. And and these folks have never seen these machines. I mean, there's so much involved here, and CNN and others are just like, we're sending them tanks, baby. We're sending them tanks. And uh, they're just going to sit over there and rust. And meanwhile, you know, all the military-industrial complex over here, they're making billions. Why? Because we got to have new tanks now. we got to make new tanks. Um, so it's a, it's a whole other uh, uh, job for the military-industrial complex. Um, let's see. We don't have time for any other clips, but just to wrap up this um, – this uh, point, there's a reason that our founding fathers uh, put it in the Constitution that the commander-in-chief needs to go to Congress to get war approval to keep us out of stuff like this. But we've ignored that, and we've created all these loopholes to where the commander-in-chief, if we want to go to war with, I don't know, Africa tomorrow, the whole continent, <laughs> if we want to go to the war, well, we're already over there, by the way. If you didn't know, we're heavily vested in Africa. Fighting the terrorists, Walker. We're fighting the terrorists. Folks, there's terrorists everywhere. Um, but if uh, the commander-in-chief wants to, you know, go to war with, you know, a country in Africa or Russia or China, right now they can just figure out a way to do it. And they go to war, and then before you know it, we're over there. Uh, we got, you know, 10,000 Marines over there, and then we're talking about, well, you need congressional approval. No, well, we've already started the war. How do you backtrack on that? This is why we shouldn't have spent 20 years in Afghanistan. By the way, Russia's buying, uh, reports are that Russia's buying the uh, U.S. equipment that we left in Afghanistan. Yep. Russia's buying the uh, the military equipment we left in Afghanistan. They're going to take it back to Russia and then use it against uh, Ukrainian troops. So just as we thought that the Ukraine uh, Afghanistan debacle wasn't going to backfire, it's backfiring as we speak. Be back in a few. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. Project Veritas has publicized an undercover video of Jordan Tristan Walker, Pfizer's director of mRNA scientific planning, saying the company is exploring intentional mutation of the SARS-CoV-2 virus through directed evolution in order to develop future vaccines. He said it will be a cash cow for Pfizer for years to come. Intentionally create increasingly dangerous viruses so you can produce vaccines for the viruses you've created for profit. Pfizer wouldn't do that, would they? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Who holds the primary influence over your girl's worldview and relationship with the Lord? The quick answer might be me, but does the evidence match the intention in your family calendar? Outsourced parenting has become a cultural trend among hyper-scheduled families. Carted from one activity to another, kids ultimately only spend 15 minutes with their parents. By God's design, you are the primary discipler of your girl. Even if it means making huge changes to the calendar, carve out a family life putting you back into the guiding seat for her faith walk. Seeking out activities that encourage time together, like American Heritage Girls, can deepen your relationship rather than disconnect it. As you regularly connect with God and your girl, His work in her heart will grow healthy roots. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, That sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. At the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Now, back to At the Core on American Family Radio.
Welcome back to the core here on American Family Radio. It's Worship Wednesday, and that was our worship song uh, for the week, Nobody Like You by Red Rocks Worship. Hey, I do want to mention one interesting fact before we move in uh, to the rest of the content for the for the for this segment. But by the way, we we're talking about these Abram tanks um, in the last segment. So the the, the training, uh, uh, Robert did some some research for us, and the average training is about twenty two weeks on these M one A one tanks. Uh, and Bobby, so twenty two weeks. That's boot camp plus advanced individual training. Uh, Bobby, you were mentioning about the other vehicles that have to accompany these tanks. Yeah, aside from logistical support of um, fuel, ammo, things of that nature that doesn't sit 100, 200 miles in the rear, they have to accompany. Uh, Typically, their upfront uh, cadre consists of Bradley fighting vehicles as well. Mm. And those things uh, typically hold 8 to 10 folks, if I'm not mistaken, plus support materials as well, so... A lot more than just a tank. Yes. It's much like a, a an aircraft carrier group in all of its support ships. M1's are the same way. Very, very labor-intensive, very maintenance-intensive because it's such a high-tech platform. There's nothing like it in the world. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I said when, when this whole thing started last year that we're going to be over there. We're going to be turning around in 10 years talking about, you know, such-and-such such war in Ukraine. Um, and, and to prove that point, you know, Bobby, I just looked and the White House says that that it's going to take weeks to even to plan this out. They hadn't even planned it out. Uh, they're just like, hey, we're going to send them tanks. And then now they're telling the, the Department of Defense, figure out how we're going to send them tanks. Right. And again, you know, the Russians were, you know, massing on the border for how long? Well over a year. Yeah. And so where were the strategic and tactical battle plans? Right. Knowing full well that they've done this before and that they're going to move. Mm-hmm. So how do you counteract? Yeah. And, Sitting uh, on their thumbs, as it were. Yeah, the White House says it'll be be a couple months before the equipment even gets over there. Then you got a couple months of training. So we're talking like late this year before Easily. the Abram tanks are actually Easily. in use. Um, and all that time that, that Putin has to sit back and, hmm, yeah. how should we do this? Yeah, and that's U.S. commitment for months, if not years down the road. Hey, uh, Wesley's in with us, my brother. Yes, I said it, my brother, Wesley. Um, you're here. I'm here. I'm glad to be on. You know, I keep getting asked about this uh, very nicely, well-put-together AFA jacket. I like it. Some some might be able to see. It. I get, not, the ones that are watching. Got the logo under oh, here yeah, right that, there. Yeah. That's delightful. Yeah, that's nice. Very nice. So we're going to eventually have to get these up somewhere, right. somehow. What kind of shirt are you wearing somewhere. under that? Get them what, on the resource center. There? Gets even better. Don Wobbins. It's even better. And if you feel left out because you're listening, you're not watching, you should. You should go it's watch. It's like a commercial. Right? I mean, with, this is basically a commercial. <laughs> what's what's, uh, what's <laughs> QVC? What's the channel where they just show jewelry all day? Indeed. QVC. <laughs> so where can, can we go Can we do that watch? in six payments? Uh, <laughs> six payments. Now, if you want to check out Wes's jacket and yeah. his shirt, streaming.afa.net. We got a little apparel up at our at our resource center. We do. We got and some so, fan gear. Uh, go but, check but out. But I agree. We could do a little more. Yeah, we could do a little more. And well, Walker's some, modeling our hat, as it were. Yes. The same hat we, I wore. This is on the website. in today, but. Yep. It's yep. our favorite hat. So if you want to check out my hat, Wesley's jacket, streaming.afa.net, or you can go over to the Resource Center, resources.afa.net. Hey, listen, check out our guys, gear. Um, there, we do need to have, I think it's appropriate. <clears throat> we don't do this often. We don't want to go, you know, we don't want to be sensationalist here, but I do think it's important that today's the day we take a moment of silence for CNN. 
as they have now reached that's good their lowest rating week ever mm. in the last nine years so not ever but appreciate that that's good Bobby, that was good. Thank you, Bobby. We needed that, guys. We're gonna. We it, it's it's pretty sad. So what, what's going uh, for on? Those that care, what's going on, so. Wesley over over at the CNN. So over at CNN, CNN just suffered its worst ratings rating week. That's a collection from from Sunday to Sunday week in over nine years. So in nine years, lowest rating week from January the tw- from January sixteenth to January the twenty second of two thousand and twenty three. They averaged just 400, a little over 400,000 viewers. And in comparison to Fox News, which in that same period of window, in that same window, reached 1.4 million views. So three times the amount. Okay, we, we've we seen this over the last couple of years, the, the continual decline in CNN. In fact, their only thing they had for a couple of years there was to beat up Trump. Remember, we saw yes. the stats around around 80 to 85 percent of their news coverage during the four years of Trump's administration was on Trump. And of that 85 percent, give or take, about 95 percent of that was in a negative light. And then there was 5 percent neutral. Yes. No positive. He, he, could, he couldn't he couldn't possibly do anything good. Yes. Um. They uh, were. I think you, it's fair to say they were obsessed. They were obsessed. It was four Trump, years. It was Trump twenty four seven. And that's where uh, their obsession with Trump uh, was uh, obviously kept their ratings. Uh, it kept them above water. No, yeah. Not good, but above water. Now that they don't have Trump, we've mentioned this on April before. Now that they don't have Trump, they are in desperate need. And the problem here is, I've read through the article here of of a of of some commentaries by the rap which is the news outlet I got this article from, they said they, they've got insiders that are, are, are giving CNN's plan of how they're, what they're going to do to fix this. Yeah. And it's this ongoing and continual shifting of, of finding, they think finding a different combination of their host is going to fix the problem. <laughs> keep shuffling them around. Keep shuffling them around, yeah. creating a new show. But uh, the problem is it's the ideology. Correct. And, and, and it's their worldview and it's their it's their purposeful attempt to turn a blind eye to truth. Yes, and uh, to be objective. Uh, and I understand, you know, they're a mouth they're a mouthpiece for the Democrat Party. party. Yep. Yeah, the Democrat one, Party's mouthpiece. One hundred percent. And so that's that's the reason for their decline. So as long as they continue to be naive to that, we are going to see the death of CNN. In my opinion, in my lifetime. Now, do I, what do I think they'll ever be one hundred percent eliminated? No, you're talking about like the CNN as it once was, as it once was, and, and it won't recover. Yeah. So when, when I say the deficit, it won't recover to where it was or any anything remotely close. Here's the best comparison I have. So you got in in in, in college, you got you got sports, and you got and you have the Power Five, right? Uh, colleges, which means you know those that are SEC, ACC, and so on. Those are the big schools. Well, they were once, in, in, in as far as viewership, as far as reach to America, they were in that. Now, whether you agreed with one host one day and not the next, all that, yeah. that's different. But their reach was in the top five, power five. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not there anymore, and it's only going to get worse. And I believe in my lifetime we'll see that as a permanent thing. Yeah. Um, so, good, so thank goodness for places like American Family News and other news outlets that are counter to that. However, I believe the reason for that, is you can fool me once, you know, shame on, shame on you. What it says in the 
fool me twice, shame on me. And yeah. the reason I say that is at this point, we're still they're still producing articles and content like this from Van Jones is a CNN host, and he wrote an opinion piece on CNN that says this. For those that are – most everyone's familiar with the, the cop incidents and the Tyree incidents in Memphis. Tyree Nichols. Tyree Nichols, five black officers were – and there were others involved that were involved in the, the uh, beating of Tyree Nichols to, to the point of his death. Yes. And they said – this was the article, the title of it – the police who killed Tyree Nichols were black, but they still may have been – no, they still have been seen – is driven by racism. Mm. So how this can wow. So yeah, wow's right. Yeah, and that's why so, they don't have credibility. That, yeah. So and this it, it is one article like this after the other. It's yes. one, uh, it's one news story like this after the other. The fact that we are still using uh, racism as a means of discussion when there was a crime committed. Yes. There's a crime yeah. committed, and this this is what this is why they are where they are, and sure. this is just the latest example. Yes, I mean we saw during the Trump administration it was Russia, 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 mm. uh, Russia collusion, Russia collusion, um, and then they 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 really Wesley remember the uh, Michael Brown hands up don't shoot yep false falsehood mm-hmm. they pushed that hoax over and over again for weeks on yep. the network until the the until it was just flatly denied. By the by, the person who started it, um, and there's there's case after case after case of them promoting and pushing stories that end up being completely fake. And and he, he contradicts himself, his own self, in the article because the, the the article implies that there were that the black officers were racist or are mo are racist or racially motivated in the in the killing of another black suspect. Yes. Okay, you track him here, and then he says this at the end, toward the end of his article. But the narrative, in, uh, in quotes, white cop kills unarmed black man, in quote, should never have been the sole lens through which we attempt to understand police abuse and misconduct. Then he moves toward making the argument that it is state-run racism. <laughs> so like you gotta yeah. i mean like the, this is this is mind-boggling they don't even care about trying to figure out how to wh- what the problem is and how to fix the problem yes. and uh and then a whole another conversation we and, can have. and wesley in many of these cases if not the the majority of them there's no actual evidence that skin color has anything, anything to, to do, do with, with it. it like uh even the um the one over in atlanta from a couple of years ago in georgia there was uh, like in a Wendy's parking lot. There was a scuffle, um, and uh, and and it, it ended tragically, and it it had nothing to do with skin no. color. There was no there was no you know hey this officer made a mean Facebook post about you know minorities. There was nothing, but they turned everything into this race war that that has nothing to do with it. Some of these are just very tragic situations that mm. end very sadly. Yeah. Um, the one in Memphis from from last week. Was just a was just a basically an example of a bunch of crooked cops beating up a suspect yep. after he was already subdued. That's right. And unfortunately, he's he's he died from those wounds. But there was no there there was no evidence that it had any do anything to do with race or skin color. Exactly, and that's the point. Hey, we're gonna go to a, a clip real quick with the time we've got left. We have a clip. I'll set this up the best I can here, and then we'll listen to it and we'll get your comments, Walker. But the New York City Mayor Eric Adams was on CNN Don Lemon's program, and he was asked. The question 
uh, very similar to the article we just read. Let's listen to this clip. Okay, well, let me ask you, the Chief C.J. Davis, when in my interview with her, she said that all the officers being black, it takes race off the table. Do you agree with that? Uh, no, no, I don't. Uh, I think that I understand what uh, the chief was saying, and I think she uh, really handled this situation in a very professional way. She moved swiftly. She assured that those officers were removed from the department. She took all the necessary steps. Uh, but I think uh, race is still on the table. Uh, when a culture of policing historically has treated uh, those from different groups differently, uh, even when the individuals are from that same group, that culture can still exist. And we have to zero in on it, being honest about it, and making sure that we properly train police for the realities of the cities that they are policing in. No, see, the problem here, that's a complete naive and denial that 7% of America make up 70%. I'll, I'll explain who these 7% are. 7% of America make up over 50% of violent crimes. Yes. The 7% that I'm talking about are, are, are black men. Yes. 7% of, of 55% of the crimes in America are made up by 7%. Yeah. So like, Which you, is why you see these run-ins. These, these, you see more run-ins with cops from young black men because that's the group that has the most uh, crime committed, violent crime committed, which statistically speaking means you're going to have more run-ins of cops. It's just the numbers. It's just what it is. What I would like to see is Eric Adams, Don Lemons, CNN, these, <laughs> I would like to see these people stop talking so much about this and get in the communities. And figure out the true problem, which, yep. which you and I know exactly what it is. Exactly. And it's these young men don't have dads. dads. That's the bottom line. These That's men it. are growing up without dads. They're, they're, in fact, they're becoming dads when they're kids. Out of wedlock. Out of yes. wedlock at 14, 15, 16 years old. Yes. Um, so, hey, we could, there's a lot more we could talk about here, but I want to remind you all of this. Go to American Family News, American Family News. Check that out. We also have a program that we do here on site at AFA in the summertime uh, called uh, Men of Honor, where we reach out for young men. Most of them don't have dads, and we're in the community here locally. We're in challenge. We're challenging you to get in your community locally and help out where you can disciple young men and young children. Yes. Thanks, Wes. Hey, glad to be on. Thank you. Yes, sir. Folks, we need a, a reawakening of the family. We need a rebuilding of the American family. We need moms and dads at home discipling, raising, and disciplining their children. That's how we restore, restore society and rebuild American culture. Hey, at the core, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Too busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear, because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. 
Thank you for standing with us. In the tragic abortion debate today, with people who say they love the Lord on both sides of the issue, who is right? Pastor Joseph Parker. In fact, a bigger question is, who decides what is right or wrong? Who decides whether something is good or bad? Who decides what pleases the Lord and what does not please Him? The simple answer is, God does. God tells us His perspective and thoughts. He tells us what is right and what is wrong in His Word. In the present cultural landscape, we can actually determine who is right and who is wrong. We can see who is on the Lord's side and who is not. It's not a matter of who is God siding with. God doesn't take sides. He gives us His Word, and if we line up with His Word, we end up on the right side. Joseph is the host of the Hour of Intercession, heard weekday mornings at 3 Central. Find the podcast at AFR.net. Pastor Erwin Lutzer from the American Family Studios documentary, The God Who Speaks. I remember when I was in Bible college, I said to myself, I can believe in the New Testament, but it's hard for me to believe in the Old Testament. And then I realized something. I can't believe less than Jesus believed. He not only affirmed the Bible of the Old Testament, but he also affirmed its stories. I mean, obviously, he believed that Jonah was swallowed by a fish. He believed in Adam and Eve. And you can go through his ministry and you say, wow, Jesus believed in the Old Testament in every detail. And if we are his followers, we have to believe what he believed. Visit thegodwhospeaks.org. This is At the Core on American Family Radio with your host, Walker Wildman. Welcome back to The Core here on American Family Radio. Good to have you back with us today. You know, one one uh, drum I've been beating for some time now is, uh, at least in recent months, is the fact that... Um, the Federal Reserve, by the way, they hiked interest rates a quarter percent. Um, the Federal Reserve didn't cause inflation. Um, our government printing money that we don't have caused inflation. Um, and the Biden administration uh, and their war on America's energy supply caused inflation. And uh, so the Fed's not going to really be able to fix inflation. They might can destroy the economy, but they can't fix inflation, a true fix. Um, you can <clears throat> destroy the economy and call it fixing inflation, but folks, that's not fixing inflation. That's uh, causing a recession. Um, I came across this story about this San Diego business. So this small business in San Diego, folks, this is this is not funny, but it's but this is this is the policies of the radicals, and and half the country votes for this stuff. So in some sense, it's quite comical, although it has real life. Uh, effects on these businesses but this is in california san diego this california uh last year their energy bill was in was two thousand and two hundred dollars this this is their 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 gas bill their their to to cook this is a restaurant so their uh, their natural gas bill was um two thousand two hundred bucks this year in the same month it's eight thousand and two hundred dollars. 
All right. And I'm no mathematician, but I'm looking at that and I'm thinking about a 400% increase in their energy bill for this one restaurant. That is causing inflation. That's causing inflation. Till we get that down, <clears throat> we're still going to see inflation as a problem. Well, I do want to jump to our next guest. We have Trevor Loudon on with us. He's been on with us before. He's an author, filmmaker, public speaker, and author of the book Security Risk Senators Part 1 and Part 2. Uh, Trevor, welcome back to the core. Hey, thanks very much for having me on, Walker. It's a pleasure. Well, uh, last time we had you on, we, we really kind of scratched the surface, but there's so much to talk about here, and there's so many politicians involved uh, when it comes to uh, their their security risk, their, their, their being compromised, etc., uh, today, when we're going to have you on a couple times and kind of take this in a in a multi multi part uh, series, but today let's go over to Georgia. We got two Democrats there uh, in the U.S. Uh, Senate in uh, from Georgia. We have uh, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff or Ossoff uh, there in Georgia. So, in your book, you outline all these dozens of politicians from around the country, from around the U.S. Uh, but let's go over to Georgia, Trevor. Uh, give us the rundown on the areas of compromise coming out of Georgia. Well, what I'm saying, my books, Walker, is that we've got about over 30 U.S. senators who are basically Marxists. They are revolutionaries. And Georgia is lucky enough to have two of them. Mm. Uh, so so the book, um, you know, I do 45 pages on Raphael Warnock and about 30 on Ossoff. So, so just just dealing quickly with Ossoff, he campaigned with Democratic Socialists of America. That's a Marxist group. That's AOC. That's Rashida Tlaib. They're connected to the Communist Party. They're connected to foreign communists, etc. And the first thing he did when he got elected was to get Joe Biden appoint his good friend and fellow campaigner, a man called Daniel Blackman, as head of the Environmental Protection Agency for the entire U.S. Southeast. That's Florida to Georgia to the Carolinas to Tennessee. This man, Daniel Blackman, is in control. Daniel Blackman is a card-carrying Marxist. He's a member of Democratic Socialists of America. That was the payoff for helping him, helping Ossoff get elected. Now, this Marxist, controls an organization controlling a sixth of the United States and can use that power to, to hurt business all over, all over that area. One man. Mm. That's the kind of thing we get when we elect Marxist senators. Uh, Trevor, Trevor, one thing that we were told, and now we're, we see it's clearly not true, and many of us knew it wasn't true, but the media and others pitch these politicians as moderates. I mean, even Joe Biden, and it's all about where we pull our definitions from, uh, uh, even <laughs> Joe Biden was pitched as this moderate, but we all knew he had radical left-wing leanings, uh, even as in his time as U.S. Senator, um, and we knew he was also uh, being uh, uh, taken over uh, by the, the, uh, the AOCs of the party uh, during the primary. So yeah. talk a little bit about that. Look, look. I, I had uh, I've got a tape from Ilan Omar talking with European communists, saying Joe Biden gives us everything we want. Mm. So Joe Biden was always a radical. Back when he was 
when Reagan was trying to fight communism in the 70s, Joe Biden would go over to the Soviet Union and work with the, with the uh, leaders of the Soviet Union. He'd try and sabotage Reagan when Reagan was fighting communism in Latin America. So Biden is a, is a Marxist. He's not in control. Xi Jinping is really running the country now from China. But, you know, he, he has always been in China and, and Russia and Iran's pocket his yeah. entire career. Well, Trevor, let's talk. Uh, yeah, I do want to kind of jump out of Georgia because this is very interesting, and and I'm not sure how how deep you are in this if 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 you're in it at all, and if you're not, that's fine. But but the Ukraine and Russia thing, um, currently the media and all the talking heads pitch uh, Putin and Russia as the big bad evil bear on the block, and then Ukraine is the poor victim, the righteous nation. The, the pure democracy, bastion of liberty is how Ukraine is pitched in the media. Um, but is there more even to that scenario? Because you just mentioned how Biden was, was, was helping the Soviets back in his de- time as U.S. senator. Is there more to this Russia-Ukraine story than we're not being told? Well, there's a couple of points there. See, Biden basically told Putin to go into Ukraine. He said a limited incursion into Ukraine would not merit a a U.S. military response. That was the green light. So Putin goes in there, and um, so Biden pretends to help Ukraine. He ships some some stuff over there, too late, too little. A lot of money gets diverted back to other causes or back to the United States, and he's going to hang Ukraine out to dry and betray them. Because ultimately, he is Russia's man. Mm. Joe Biden is Russia's man. And, and there's another thing that we don't factor into this. Um, I understand all the arguments here, but we've got to understand, too, you know, why, why are the Russian tanks flying red flags? Why are they putting up Lenin statues in the areas they conquer? Why are the Donetsk and Luhansk areas now called people's republics and have communist symbols in their flags. Why did Vladimir Putin uh, organize a communist youth gathering for 30,000 young kids in October 2017 in Sochi, Russia, and keynote it, tell the kids the future was theirs, go for it, and the event was to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution. Hmm. Putin is a communist. That's the reality. And, um, yeah, we can argue about the merits of Ukraine, but if, if, if his aim is to take all of Europe, not just Ukraine. Yeah. So, um, and, and for people who say, how, how, how can Biden be in Putin's pocket or how can Biden end up, you know, letting Ukraine, uh, leaving Ukraine out to dry and, and letting Putin continue his advance? Well, look what, look what happened in Afghanistan. I mean, the U.S. ended, well, look, look, up, ended yeah. up supporting the Taliban, the same people we went in there to supposedly defeat. Look, look, Putin, look, people say the stupidity of the Biden administration, the stupidity of, of giving all that stuff to, to leaving all that stuff in Afghanistan. Biden works for China. He just gave China all that weaponry and that country, that whole country. China had a problem. If they wanted to attack Taiwan or the Pacific or America, they had a big American base on their eastern, on, on their western flank. Now they don't have it. And now the Chinese and the Taliban 
can sell the weaponry to 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 Putin to conquer Ukraine. Mm. So the enemies of America win either way. And now Biden doesn't, and to substitute Russian oil, Biden wants to buy oil from Iran and Venezuela, <laughs> who are both Russia's allies. So, but but here's, here's the thing. If Biden really wanted to stop the war, he would have said to Putin, if you go in there, we're going to open up the energy fields in America, and we're going to flood the world with oil, and, we're gonna, and you're going to go bankrupt, Mr. Putin. Do you really yes. want to try that? But instead, he puts the Communist Party USA in this country. Judith LeBlanc of the Communist Party USA was allowed to nominate her good friend, Deb Haaland, to become the U.S. Secretary of the Interior, a Marxist, to control 20% of America and cut off every energy spigot on public land she possibly can. Which only right helps, which only helps Putin. Well, it's exactly. So Biden is playing a completely double game here. He is weakening America. He, he is drawing down our reserves. He's secretly helping uh, Putin's economy by keeping the price of oil high. He's, negoti- he's helping by Putin's enemies, and he's not giving Ukraine nearly what he is saying he is. Mm. He's playing a deep double game because he's worked. He, he was elected by an organization called the Council for Livable World, which was set up by a Soviet spy, Leo Szilard, to elect politicians who would vote to destroy the U.S. military. That's Biden's background. Trevor, do you think, do you think that, that the U.S. is genuinely interested in some kind of ceasefire or some kind of truce in, in, in Ukraine, or, or is this all about a decades-long war, billions of dollars wasted, and other people's interests served? Look, look. This, this is the, the, the thing, um, and I'm a, court, a bit of a conundrum here because I'm not backing Biden, I'm not backing the Democrats, but I do back the people in Ukraine, right? Mm. And you can argue about their government, but the people in Ukraine are basically Christian Jewish people who are now being raped, murdered, and tortured mm. by Muslim troops from the Caucasus wreaking havoc directed by by Putin. So I'm on their side. Wow. But so this this is not this is the Ukraine was the first step in World War Three. What was supposed to happen was Putin was supposed to go into Ukraine, NATO would fold, Europe would be blackmailed into nuclear submission, China would attack the Middle East uh the Far East. Uh Iran was going to attack Saudi Arabia and um Israel and North Korea would attack South Korea, and we'd be in World War Three. This is actually the the brave resistance of the people in Ukraine is actually stopping World War Three. Biden wants World War Three. His eight is, and that's why he is weakening America, not actually allowing the Ukrainians to win, and pretending like he's on their side. It's a re- very, very complex and very diabolical situation. Well, the way you explained it, Trevor, <clears throat> makes a whole lot more sense than all the talking heads in the media and even the State Department. I mean, nobody's done a good job explaining this stuff, and we get mixed signals and mixed reports of what's going on. Um, so I appreciate Absolutely. you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, that's very helpful. Um, we, we were yeah. talking uh, about these U.S. senators back in Georgia. Yeah, um, rough, 
Yeah, yeah, let's go to Warnock. We got just about two minutes left. Uh, give us a rundown on Warnock. Warnock has two two mentors. Both were Marxists. One was James Cone, the father of Black Liberation theology. The other one was a guy called Calvin Butts, who was a Black radical. Who the day the night that Martin Luther King was assassinated, he went out with a whole bunch of petrol bombs, which he had already stored, and burnt down a church and several businesses. And him and his friend, his friends dragged white motorists out of their cars and beat them up. He has two Marxists in his background. He is a complete Marxist. Then he worked with Stacey Abrams' operation and Democratic Socialists of America to basically start the big voter operations in Georgia. Mm. He has worked with Marxists and revolutionaries his entire political career. His friend Calvin Butts, his friend Calvin Butts and his friend James Cohn both went to Cuba in 1984 with a man called Jeremiah Wright, Barack <laughs> Obama's pastor, for meetings with Fidel Castro yep. and Soviet-backed so-called church organizations. Mm. Calvin Butts, uh, uh, Raphael Warnock is a black liberation theology Marxist. Wow. 100% Marxist. Hey, Trevor, where can folks find your book on this? Uh, TrevorLoudon.com. Just TrevorLoudon.com. Loudon is L-O-U-D-O-N. TrevorLoudon.com. Security risk senators, 30 different senators profiled. And my DVD, Enemies Within the Church, is available on that website as well. All right, Trevor. Hey, appreciate you coming on the core. Always enjoy it, Walker. Great All right. Pleasure. Chat again. That's Trevor Thank Loudon. You. Thank you, sir. All right. At the core, glad to have you with us today. If you missed some or part of the interview with Loudon, go to AFR.net, AFR.net. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.